I want to begin this morning uh, with a question. When I ask you this morning, have, have you ever had your world fall apart? Have you ever had the world that you created for yourself crumble before your very eyes? I don't know, perhaps it was the result of the loss of a job. Perhaps it was even your dream job. Oh, a job that you wanted and a job that brought so much fulfillment to you and a job that you placed all of your hopes for the future in. But you lost it. I don't know, it could be that a divorce caused the world, your world, to crumble. A divorce that you did not want, a divorce perhaps that you didn't even see coming. Maybe it was a sudden sickness that shook your world. Perhaps a betrayal from somebody that you thought could be trusted, somebody that you placed your confidence in, somebody that you shared your most intimate secrets and desires with. COVID-19 has shattered many lives and caused a host of people's worlds to crumble and fall apart. But today I want to look at a man in the Bible who best represents my subject today. His name is Job. He has an entire book written about him in the Bible. This book, Job, is found in the Old Testament. I want us to read just the beginning of his story. Let's, let's look this morning in Job chapter number 1. And we're going to read verse 1, and then we're going to skip down to verse 6 and read through verse 12. The Bible says that there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. Verse number six says, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? You've been out walking among the world. Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the entire earth. He's a blameless and upright man. He fears God and shuns evil. Satan answered the Lord and said, does not Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Evidently, God was proud of Job. Job was the best that God had at the moment. Here's what I know this morning. Here's what I know. Satan is jealous of God. Did you understand that? Satan is jealous of God. Fact of the matter is, his jealousy is what got him in trouble in the first place. Pride and jealousy. Here's what I know this morning. Satan always goes after what God has. 
He targets God's best. Let me tell you this morning that if you are being attacked by the devil, if you are being attacked by Satan, it just might be, it just might be because Satan knows how valuable you are to God. I don't know, but perhaps God has been bragging on you and Satan wants to bring you down because of it. You read the story, you'll, decide, you'll discover that Satan went after Job with a vengeance. Well, there are two things that I want to uh, share with you today. Two things that I want us to see in this account of this man named Job. First thing I want us to notice is what he lost. What he lost. Now, I don't have time to read all of the scripture to verify my point here, but I have given them to you in the notes that I made available. The first thing that Job lost that was actually taken from him by Satan was his family. He lost his family. You'll find that in the first two chapters of the book of Job. Satan tested Job's faith and and his commitment to God. He, he, He did it by destroying his family. Job's children, every single one of them, they were killed. And his wife turned on him. I don't know, but perhaps this was Job's greatest test. I know it would have been for me. I I can't even imagine. I've tried to think and I've tried, but I can't even imagine the heartache that Job must have experienced. I can imagine how his heart had to have been broken. Because you see, at the end of the day, the only thing that we really have of true value in this life is our faith and our family. Here's what I know, and that is our families have the potential to be our greatest source of help and hurt. And if you live long enough, you will experience both. So let me let me admonish you this morning, be, be careful. Be careful how you treat your family because, because you don't know how long that you're going to have them. Like Job experienced, they can, they can quickly, they can suddenly be taken from you. But not only did Job lose his family, but also if you read the story, you'll find that he also lost his friends. And you'll find that in chapters 4 through chapter 36 of Job. Yeah, yeah, Job's three closest friends turned on him and accused him of bringing his world-crumbling experience on himself. His three buddies, his three closest friends say, hey, what you're going through, Job, all of this adversity, it's all your fault. It's because of sin. Certainly you have sinned and you are being punished by God. When Job needed, what Job needed most from his friends was comfort, but what he got from them was criticism. I began to think about this this past week as I was preparing this message. Who knows? See, 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 there's a lot of things that go on in between the lines. You know what I'm talking about in every story. And I began to imagine a few things. I began to think, and, and, and I began to think, who knows what was really going on with Job's friends? I don't know. Perhaps they were secretly jealous of him. I mean, I mean, he had more possessions than they had. He was the richest man in the East. 
Perhaps they were jealous. Perhaps they were, they, they were secretly jealous of him and, and, now, and now they are getting some kind of sick satisfaction in seeing him suffer loss. I don't know, perhaps, perhaps he had helped them financially in the past. I mean, he's rich, right? He's wealthy. He's got more than anybody else. And perhaps he had helped them financially in the past, but because of his loss, he is no longer in a position to continue. Have you ever had a friend who stopped being a friend once you stopped helping them? I have. Job isn't the only person to experience fair weather, friends. So I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you today. Be good to your friends. Be good to your friends. Cherish them. Do you know how hard it is to develop a real intimate friendship? You know how rare it is? Especially for us men. Cherish your friends. Be good to your friends. Stand by them. Cry with them when they're crying and laugh with them when they are laughing. Do these things at appropriate times. Be a comforter, not a critic. Job said of his friends in chapter 6, verses 14 through 17, he said, you should be kind to a fainting friend, but you, you have accused me. You have proved as unreliable as a seasonal brook. When the hot weather arrives, the water disappears. The brook vanishes in the heat. Job was saying to his three friends, you, you guys are fair weather friends. Your, your support dries up when the heat is on. Job says to them, I, I, I need comfort, but all you offer me is criticism. Job's world is falling apart. He watches it crumble before his own eyes. Oh, oh, not only did Job lose his family, not only did Job lose his friends, but also, also he lost his finances. Yeah, he lost his finances. The Bible says Job was wealthy. According to verse 3 of chapter 1, he was the richest man in the east. But the Bible says that Satan stripped all of it away from him. See, 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 the devil was convinced that if he, that if he took Job's family and, and he took Job's friends and he took Job's finances away, that, that he was convinced that Job would also lose his faith. When God bragged on Job to Satan, Satan responded by saying, of course, of course Job serves you. Of course, of course Job loves you. Just just look at all that you have given to him. Look at his life. Look at his life. Look, Look at his lifestyle. Oh, the devil said to, to the Lord, look, look, at, look at all of his stuff, stuff that you have given to him. But the devil said to, to the Lord, said, but, but take away all of his stuff, strip him bare, and he won't serve you anymore. He will turn away from you, and he will even curse you. How about us? How about, how about... How committed to God are we? 
Do we only serve him for what he does for us, for what we can get out of him? He's some kind of glorified Santa Claus or slot machine in heaven or something? Jesus once said to a bunch of his own followers, he says, he says, you only follow me for the loaves and the fish. Jesus said to some of them, you're only here because you heard that after service there's going to be dinner on the ground. He said to some of them, you're only here because, because you've heard that I serve up all you can eat fish and chips buffet. You're not here to hear what I have to say. You're not here to hear my ministry. You're just here to get out of me what I have to give to you. How committed are we? How committed are we? How, how would, or what would happen to our faith if our finances were suddenly stripped away? Here's what I know. The one who depends on finances will eventually be disappointed. Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5 says, Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. It sprouts wings and flies away like an eagle. The one who depends on finances will eventually be disappointed. Now, hear me, I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone will eventually lose all their finances. I'm not prophesying poverty on you this morning. I'm not saying everybody will eventually lose all of their finances, but I am saying that if you depend on your finances, your finances will eventually disappoint you. And you will discover that money cannot buy happiness, cannot buy contentment, cannot buy Peace of mind. Somebody said it like this. Somebody said money can buy a house, but it can't buy a home. It can buy food, but it cannot buy an appetite. It can buy people, but it cannot buy you a relationship. It can, it can buy you a position, but not respect. It can buy you medicine, but not health. It can buy you pleasure, but not true joy. See, finances have little to do with our true net worth because our true net worth can only be calculated in our family and our friends and our faith see 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 i've met i've met some emotionally bankrupt rich people <laughs> and, and and i've met some emotionally rich poor people let me ask you this morning would there be anything left if all of your finances were suddenly taken from you. And hear me, I'm not prophesying doom and gloom, but I'm telling you this morning, this is a question that we better be ready to answer. It's a question we better be ready to answer because the possibility of this is quite real. The title of my message today is When Your World Falls Apart. This certainly appeared to be a reality for this man named Job. All right, all right, we've talked a little bit about what he lost. Now let's examine what he learned. Let's look at this story and discover what Job learned. First lesson Job learned was life isn't fair. Would you agree? Yeah, in his adversity, in his situation, in his trial, Job learned life isn't fair. See, see the storybook life is reserved well for storybooks. <laughs> Job said in chapter 14 and verse 1, he said, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. 
And then he said in chapter 2 and verse number 10, he said, he said to his wife, he said, shall we accept blessings from God and not accept adversity? Here's what life has taught me. There will be good days and bad days. There will be, we will experience both gladness and sadness. Sometimes, oh, sometimes we will literally be on top of the world. And sometimes it will seem like the world is on top of us. Sometimes we will get by with a day of stupid. And sometimes we will suffer for no apparent reason. What did Job learn? Job learned life isn't fair. Somebody said bad things happen to good people. In chapter 42 and verse number 7, God says to Job's three friends, he, he, God says to his three fair-weather friends, God says to them, you were wrong. You were wrong in saying that Job's adversity was the result of sin in his life. He's not, it's not because of sin in his life that he's going through adversity. You were wrong. God said that to Job's three friends. And God said there in that same verse, you were wrong in saying that I was punishing Job for, with adversity. The adversity, the situation, the trial, all of the things that Job has gone through, these are not, in this particular instance, this is not the result of his sin. It is not the result of my punishment of him. Now hear me clearly this morning. I'm not saying that we don't reap what we sow. I'm not saying that God doesn't discipline and God doesn't correct his children from time to time. What I'm saying is that life happens to everybody. Life happens to everybody. Everybody will experience the good, the bad, and the ugly. And sometimes it's a result of our actions and sometimes it's simply the result of living in a fallen world. Bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. What did Job learn through his adversity? First of all, he learned that life isn't fair. Second thing that he learned, he learned that relationships can be fickle. Now, we've already talked a little bit about this, so I'm just going to talk about it just for a moment this morning. Friends are needed most in times of adversity. Because of COVID-19, all of us are experiencing adversity. Now, no matter what you believe, and the spectrum is just it's crazy. Pastor friend of mine after church last Sunday got two texts from two different deacons in his church. And one deacon said, I won't be back until they get a vaccine. The other deacon chastised him because he didn't lay hands on anybody. And who's in the middle? Hello? No matter what you believe or don't believe about this crisis, we are all affected by it. Somebody said we are all in the same boat. Somebody else said it much, much better. Somebody else said we are all in the same storm. No, we are not all in the same boat because you see, you see, some are cruising around in a yacht. (laughs) 
And some are paddling as hard as they can in a canoe. We are not in the same boat, but we are all in the same storm. And we need each other. We need each other. This is not a day to criticize one another for how we react to this adversity. The devil's having a heyday right now. And he's using a lot of God's people. See, we love it when the, we talk about God uses people. Well, so does the devil. It's not a day to criticize one another for how we react to this adversity. And who actually knows what the 100% truth is about this pandemic? I'm going to be kind because I'm refreshed. Be careful about being so adamant with your opinions because that's all they are, opinions. Like armpits, you have them and sometimes they stink. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows what all is really going on? Who, who knows the 100% truth about this pandemic? Be, be careful about being so adamant with your opinions because that's all they are at the end of the day. That's all they are, your opinion. And there's so many voices saying very different things. So many statistics slanted in two different directions. And all of these voices claiming to be experts. Most of them have an agenda. Here's what I know. We need each other. We, we, we need one another. We, we, we need to be comforted, not criticized. We need support, not sarcasm. We need to pull together, not allow ourselves to be pulled apart. Here's some good admonition. It's worth the price of admission this morning. By the way, some of you didn't pay the price of admission. Amen. I'm having fun. Come on. Here's the good admonition I have for you this morning. Become the person you want others to be. Become the person you want others to be. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 7 and 12. He said, do to others what you want others to do for you. Here's what I know, and that is true, friends. Don't always agree. 
they respect their friends enough to allow them to hold different opinions in them and do it without dissing them for it, without calling them names, without disrespecting them. Become the person you want others to be. We're talking about what Job learned through his ordeal. He learned that life isn't fair. He, he, he learned that relationships can be fickle. And the third lesson that, that this adversity taught him was that, that God is always faithful. God is always, always faithful. This is the most important lesson of all. See, see, if you read all of the, of the book of Job, you'll discover that not only did God sustain Job through all of his struggles, but, but chapter 42 tells us that God gave back to Job twice, twice what he had before he was tested by adversity. Here's what I know about God, and that is he will either rescue us or he will resource us. He will either rescue us or he will resource us. See, as a people of God, we might get down, but we are never out. Oh, I like what Yogi Berra said. He said, it ain't over till it's over. I like the little league, little league ball player playing out in right field, and it was the top of the first inning, and the opposing team had scored 15 runs. Top of the first. Someone in the bleachers yelled to the little boy in right field, your team is really getting beat. <laughs> that little boy yelled back at the guy in the stands and says, no, we're not. And the voice from the bleachers yelled back, but it's 15 to nothing. Yeah, said the little boy, but we haven't got to bed yet. We haven't got to bed yet. I'm telling you, it ain't over till it's over. And at the end of the day, I'm telling you, at the end of the day, God is going to be on top and the enemy is going to be on the bottom. I don't know where you're at today, but I'm telling you this morning that it ain't over yet. You may be struggling. You may be hurting. You may be going through difficult and trouble and trial. Oh, you may be beat up. Oh, all your world may be caving in on you today. But I'm telling you, it ain't over yet. And God is always faithful. He's always faithful. Oh, oh! our circumstances might look pretty bleak sometimes. Oh, they sure did for Job. But, but we have a secret weapon. We have a superstar pinch hitter who's about to step up to bat, and his name is Jesus, and he is about to knock the ball out of the park. You can be fearful if you want. I don't want you to be. You can be fearful. You can walk the floor. You can worry. You can fret. But I want to tell you that my faith and my hope and my confidence is in my God. And he's never let me down before. I mean, he's never let me down before. Sometimes he lets it get to the last second. Sometimes he lets me get to the very edge. But at the end of the day, he is always faithful. And he always comes through. And I'm prophesying and telling you today, amen, that this thing is not over yet. And it may look back down. It may look bad today. But I'm telling you that God has a way. Even as Joseph, he said to his brothers, he said, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And God used his struggle and his adversity and his problem to, 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 to sustain an entire country. I'm telling you, it may look bleak today, but God is still in charge. He's still on the throne. And I'm telling you that at the end of the day, God and his people are going to win. Yeah. 
We can depend on him no matter what the situation looks like. My confidence is not in a politician, not in a president or a governor or a mayor, and I, I honor them for their position because the Bible tells me that I'm to honor those that, that are in positions of authority, and I honor them. But I'm telling you, I don't know who your choice is, and that's between you and God and none of my business. And, you know, so I don't, it doesn't matter, but I'm just telling you that's not the answer. The answer is Jesus. The answer is God. The answer is the Lord, and he's in charge. He'll either rescue us or he'll resource us. <laughs> we have a third of our people on Sunday morning. <laughs> For two months, we had none. I'm talking about in the building. <laughs> and if the finances are stronger, stronger than ever. Thank you, God's people. Thank you. Please continue because the bills just keep on going. But thank you. But I'm just telling you, no matter what it looks like, God is still in charge. And he's, he said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Psalm 37, verse 23 and through 25, David writes, he said, the Lord directs the steps of the righteous. He delights in every detail, say detail, in every detail of their life. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by their hand. I like the fact that the Lord holds them by their hand. We're not holding on to the Lord's hand. He's holding on to our hand. When I was a little boy and my hand was about that big, I wasn't able to hold on to my father's hand. He had a big old burly hand. His hands were fat. They were large. Wore a 13 and a half ring. And I couldn't hold on. I could barely hold on to one of his fingers. But I want to tell you that if I was ever in danger, he would not allow me to hold on to him, but he would engulf my little bitty hand with his hand. I'm telling you that God has us in his hand today. We're not holding on to God. God is holding on to us. David goes on to say I was young he said now I'm an old guy 65 probably <laughs> he said but I've never seen the righteous abandoned I've never seen their children begging for bread Philippians 4:19. my God shall supply all of your need he's going to do it according unto his riches in glory by Christ Jesus hear me this morning church oh listen listen I cannot tell you how this pandemic is going to turn out I can't even tell you with 100% certainty the cause and the capacity of this virus and neither can you. But what I do know, what I've learned from Job and what I've learned through my own adversity and other adversities of life, and that is God is always faithful. He will either rescue us or he will resource us. Listen, listen. God was able to take care of approximately 3 million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years and not a single one of them had a job. God's got us. He's holding us. If he did it for them, he can do it for us. The takeaway today is this. Hear me. Please hear this. Here's the takeaway. If your world falls apart, you built your world on the wrong foundation. If your world is built on the foundation of faith, they could take away your family, your friends, and your finances, and you will still be standing. Although the circumstances of your life might have fallen apart, you don't have to. 
And God can help turn those circumstances around. As long as the foundation is still standing. You've heard me talk about the fact that in Midland, Texas, where my wife and I planted a church 29 years ago, we had the building two-thirds of the way built. Arsonists burned it down. They literally blew it up with accelerants. Everything. There wasn't one brick left. All of it burned. It was nothing but ashes. But you know what was left? Foundation. You know why? There's a building standing there today that's almost twice as big as the original one we built. And it's built on that same foundation. We kept the foundation and built upon it. And it's strong. Been there now 25 years, I guess, that building has been there. What's our foundation? If our foundation is built on our stuff, it's, it's built on finances and relationships and jobs and, and worldly security, it'll all be gone. But if our foundation is our faith in Jesus Christ, no matter what the storm is, no matter how, how, what happens in the world, the foundation is still strong. And God will help us brick by brick by brick by brick. Rebuild the the building of our life. Father, I thank you for your word this morning, God. God, I just pray that you will use it this morning, Lord, to do what you want done in this service this morning.